Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode 35 as co-host is a man you know on Twitter as JeppyDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How's things? Very well indeed. We are now one week away from a June 11 restart, Jep. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's a one and a half weeks, mate. Um, it's it's getting there. It's um, it's exciting and NRL. You know, I even watched a bit of NRL on the weekend. Uh, fancy that? So that's how desperate I am for sport. Mm. We have a four-week fixture of rounds two to six, with a further two rounds set to be released at the end of round three. 16-minute quarters remain, with four on the bench also remaining while we're in a week-by-week fixture. We need to be quite flexible throughout the remainder of the season, Jep. Yeah, look, absolutely. We can't plan too far ahead, um, but we need options, DPPs and the like. We just be flexible as we, as best flexible as we can. Make sure you're following AFL Ratings on Twitter for updates to maintain a strong fantasy game. If you would like a chance of scoring a plus six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter and we'll give a few more away at the midway point of the season. Previously on the Plus Six podcast, episodes 30 to 33, Jepper and I covered off on the overall top 25 ownership and trading strategy at every position. Recently on episode 34, I interviewed Ryan Daniels for a Fremantle and West Coast update. It's certainly a must listen. On to episode 35, Jep. We're going to discuss several key targets at all positions for round two with a break-even theme. We'll take a look at some high and low break-evens. Before we start, one critical area of the game is now to manage your player salaries in a limited trade format. It's time to target low break-evens and potentially make decisions on expensive players to start building a bank for critical upgrades. I think identifying areas that need attention in your team is a priority. Then set about forming a strategic plan for success. Jep, your thoughts on trading strategy for the listeners? So yeah, look, round two historically has always been called fix-up round for me, mate. It's um, Although it's been prolonged, we still need to do our fix-up trades and we get three this year. So an extra, an extra grab at it. Um, none of us are perfect in our teams. We've got players to fix, so... Definitely targeting the low break-evens for the cash earned and um, some money makers in the interim as well if, if they become available. Agreed. Here we go, Jeb. Defenders, Jake Lloyd, break-even 104. He's currently at 775k and will likely drop further coin. He's a trade target down the road for me. Yeah, same for me, mate. He, um, he can wait. Um, I, um, I expect Essendon this week anyway or in round two to put a heavy tag on him. Brody Smith, break-even 90. Unfortunately injured in round one. He's a hold or even a wait for me, Jep. Well, if you don't hold him, you're definitely waiting. Um, but owners like myself, I'm holding. I'm, ex- I'm back in my original choice to bring him in bef- um, to start the season. Agreed. Jack Crisp, break-even 88. He'll become a target for plenty in a few weeks if he doesn't hit that break-even, Jep. Oh, definitely. And that's a worry for me as an owner currently. But, hey... Yeah, win some, lose some, and like I said, with Brody Smith, same for Crisp. You're back in your original pick, and you, you you run with your primos. So Crisp is sticking around for me. Dylan Robertson, break even 44. That break even is still achievable, but he could be playing on the third opposition tall all season. My concern is that he is not an accumulating defender this season with Long and Clark in the backline. Jet. 
Yeah, agreed. And I see Robertson as one of these um, left field moves. Well, not left field, more um, a unique trade because of his high ownership. I think it's much it's much beneficial to trade a Robertson and cash in early um, sideways or cash him down to a rook and um, and use the money elsewhere. Now, Jake Carlisle is coming back in for the Saints potentially at round two. He could move uh, Wilkie away. Uh, how would we know we'll stay in there? And that's why I'm a little bit concerned if Robertson does stay in that team, which I think he should and will, that he does get the third opposition tool, which could limit scoring. On to Jeremy Howell. Jep, break even of 17. Many will target Hell in round two. Be aware of some scoring volatility for me. Yeah, agreed. And if Madgen's um, named in the team, then it's probably a, a high-risk, high-reward pick. If Madgen is not named and, and they don't play that traditional two-tool defender setup, I would be staying away from Jeremy Howe pretty pretty vastly. That break even still low, Jeff, at 17. I know, but I, volatile scoring and, and he's you know subject to a role change. He can move around and he's pretty flexible in roles week to week, so I just see it as high risk. Brandon Stasevic, break even of 10. Fingers crossed he holds his spot after the long layoff, Jep. Yeah, bench cover only, mate, so not a huge concern. Um, a lot of us are in the same boat with our bench cover, so he'll be staying on the bench from my, my side. Jared Brander, minus four. Ryan Daniels spoke about him in episode 34, and again, go back and take a listen to Ryan's thoughts. There's cash to be made here, Jep. Plus, the DPP status is quite valuable. Yeah, so one of with that, one of my moves, my options for round two is moving Brander from my defender bench to starting on my forward line. So that's yeah, that's pretty likely for me to be fair. So um, I'm hoping from a West Coast point of view and a West Coast fan, he does he does really well and. Um, like um, Rhino said, he'd be given every chance to succeed. So have a have a bigger listen to what Rhino gave on Brander, but owners should um, should be definitely holding him, and I think he starts on on the field for most. Onto the midfielders, Jep. Patrick Dangerfield break even of one hundred and fourteen, quite high. Put him on the radar for four to five week trade target for me, Jep. Yeah, and with Hawthorne, like if Shields goes to him, um, or if Hawthorne run with him, I just, I'm just not touching him yet. But look, definitely down the track, he, he'll be an option. Josh Dunkley break even a 105. A poor score in round one could open up the door for others to target Dunkley in a few weeks. Jet, maybe just not at round two. Correct, but I th- and again, I think he'll he'll have a go against St Kilda. Um, he won't get any attention, mm. so um, you know, point, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that look, if Dunks proved himself last season um, and quite convincingly, so we can't ignore what he's done in the past in the last twelve months. So have faith, and I'm an owner, and I'm having faith, and he's not moving in my team. Yeah, I don't have him, and I won't be targeting him at round two. But one hundred and five, he can certainly reach that at round two, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, and look, he he we know how big he can go, and. Yep. I picked him originally for his ceiling, mate, so um, fingers crossed. Yeah, let's hope he hits it for you in round two. On to Matt Crouch, break even of 103. The Crows were poor at centre clearances in round one, Jep. Crouch might be a wait and see. Yeah, so like for me, and I know he can hit a high score, but he's pretty, his ceiling's relatively low for a premium midfielder. So 
I, you know, watching him again last year closely, and we all had Brad last year, but watching Matt, he, he rarely went above 110. So, yeah, I, um, I'm not going to touch Matt Crouch. Probably, yeah, unless he's a stint, but he's not in my... I don't see him actually as a tough eight mid this season, mate. Just going to drop some coins, so maybe he's an earlier upgrade target. On to Jack Vine, Egypt, a break-even of 18. He was awesome in round one. Plenty will jump on him at round two. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, I'm finding it hard to ignore him, mate. Um, for someone who's going to earn a bit of coin and... Um, you really going to do it? Well, he's bloody playing Carlton this week, which doesn't help. Like, I doubt Kerno. Well, Kerno could go to him or whoever they run with him, but he just looked like a man on the mission. I, I, he's got Essendon in round three as well, so... God. Honestly, it's it's like a dream fixture. So <laughs> it's it is on my agenda um, to be to be confirmed next week on the podcast, mate. How's that? I'll keep in check with you on our DMs, Chip. Uh, just to be, <laughs> just just to be that moral support. Uh huh. <laughs> on, on to Matthew Rao. Uh, he's got a break even of five. I would have loved to have seen a negative break even after round one, Chip. But Rao will still make some money. Yeah, look, he's um he's not going anywhere for most of us. It's just the time when to trade Rao and one of our previous podcasts. Um, you know, the winner from last year got rid of um Sam Walsh at round seven. So yeah, round eight or nine, or it was at round eight. Yeah, so yeah. early on. So we we need to have that in the back of our minds as as a strategy. But for now, let's just enjoy what he's going to produce for his owners. Yeah, I like it and keep those thoughts in mind to go early on some players with high ownership. Tyler Brown for Collingwood, Jeb, minus two break-even. His round one midfield usage was solid, and Trelaw is also set to miss round two, so Brown should be in amongst that again for some cash generation. Yep, can play, and, um, you know, Richmond aren't the biggest high close-checking team in the world. Correct. He scored 46 in round one, so for me, my question I got, you know, and it's an easy one, is like I had Tom Green on my field and I'm just putting Tom Green on the bench for now and leaving Ty- Tyler Brown on the field and I'm pretty honestly pretty well with that um, with that move. So that solves my midfield line, to be fair. Justin McInerney, minus two break even. He's under the radar for most at Sydney. He is set to generate a decent amount of coin jet. Yep, and he's perfect midfield backup for many and... Um, Fingers crossed he plays round two and beyond and I'll, as an owner, I'll be earning or enjoying, sorry, his um, his uh, cash generation. Marley and Pickett, minus 11 break even, Jep. Pretty simple, the solid incoming cash generation here for Pickett. Yep, uh, agreed. Much like many of the rooks, um, probably doesn't have the highest ceiling in the world. I think he's, he's on, his scoring potential is not the greatest. He's just scraped a 16 round one, but other than that, Ticks all the boxes. Onto the rucks, Jep. We've got Jared Witts. He won't be a target for many probably this season. However, break-even of 114, he is going to drop quite a bit of coin. Yeah, so um, I had Witts for pretty much the second half of last season. Um, and I was pretty happy with it, mm. to, to be totally fair. Um, it's it's not out of the question to, um, to offset it. Clearly, Gorn and Grundy are the two top rucks, but, you know, you could see some value in, in picking up wits if 
come round five or six when he drops pretty heavy. Yeah, probably the one to keep in mind there is Wit. If there, we have some injury carnage in the ruck position with maybe either Gorn or Grundy or Jacobs or just a popular ruck, you know, keep in mind Wit is going to drop some coin and he could be quite achievable. Okay, on to my Max Gorn, break even 97. <laughs> a great run to restart his season. He may not drop that much in value, Jeb. For me, at least I hope not. No, he's definitely not, mate. You've um, you're you're you got one less problem in your ruck line, so enjoy it, stress free. Um, and the non-gone owners, you just got to pick your moment, guys. So, um, like I've said it before, one of my first upgrades will be Jacobs to Gorn. It's just um, as, and as it's as soon as I can do it, really. We'll mention Brody Grundy here. He's got a break even of eighty three. Obviously, quite achievable. If he grabs a hold of the Tigers in round two, he's going to increase in value, Jeb. Well, crazy, isn't it? Like, the guy's a machine, and he's got a history against Collingwood, uh, against Richmond as well, come round two. So those with the VC option, and look, there'll be plenty of us with VC options, given the likelihood of, of Rooks sitting on the pine and not to, well, sitting out of the 22 for their respective sides. So... VC Grundy this uh, this round two. He's currently 915k Jep. Do you think he could hit one million dollars? Oh gee whiz. That's a massive upgrade for those that don't him then. Oh look, it's all neon impossible. So um, I don't think he'll make a million, but um, I think the non-owners of Grundy are really stressed out. To be fair, I think. It's a three-state. It's a three-trade effort to get to Grundy um, at any point in the season. So, and that's that's a bit of a penalty to be to be honest. So, yeah, I'm I'm a Grundy owner, thankfully, and um, I don't have that issue. On to Sam Jacobs, break even of thirty-seven, which is quite solid. You couldn't have asked for a better start there, Jeb. Oh, you'd always get better, but um, you know, coming against. Well, Who it's just it? the cash generation, I guess. You know, he's going yeah, to corner, yeah, look, which is much much needed, obviously. He's a safe pick. It'd be interesting to see how he goes against Goldie in round two. Um, you know, Goldie Goldie's no slouch, obviously. So, onto Sam Naismith, break even a minus two. It's a good position to be in for Naismith owners, but I think Callum Sinclair is definitely looming. Yeah, so um, you tweeted some footage the other day or a comment from the Sydney footage about mm. their little practice match and um, Naismith was nowhere to be seen. So, Lord behold, what's going on, mate? Any inside scoop? Nah. Are you just losing sleep? Uh, we'll be just wait, wait and see there for a minute. Obviously, you know, we're only looking at about a minute and a half, two minutes worth of footage there, so it's not too big a, too big a deal, you know, and obviously... Players coming back from a long layoff, you know, he could have been a bit sore and missed training there. So I wouldn't be too concerned at this stage. But the key is there is the fitness of Sinclair. As I said in an earlier podcast, I didn't think Sinclair had the greatest of pre-seasons. Obviously missed a fair few games last season and was sluggish to get going in this pre-season. But now looking at him at that vision, which was important to me, he is looming, so there could be some impact there. Uh, so just one to monitor for Naismith owners. I definitely probably wouldn't be targeting him now based on the fitness of Sinclair. But, yeah, agreed. Yeah, but for me, like I have him in as a, 
I have Naismith as an R3, which I am quite happy with still at this stage. So, you know, obviously with Reed's not playing and Franklin's not playing now, so does Longmire put Sinclair in as a tall marking forward at the SCG? We're just going to have to wait and see. But there's potential there for two ruck setup, even though we've got shortened quarters. So it's just one that I am just pressing for news from it, from all sorts of angles. So stay tuned because I need to get that on the Twitter feeds ASAP. And I'm definitely looking for that. And that's a key for many owners out there, Jep. Okay, on to the forwards. Lockie Whitfield, break even 104. A couple of slow weeks and he's going to be a genuine target for some coaches. Yeah, look, another one who's obviously a guaranteed top six forward. Um, another one we, well, non-owners want a cash value in on. So as a non-owner, he's high on my agenda as well, um, along with Gorn. So he's hoping he keeps quiet, Bunny. Um, sorry sorry to hinder your side, but, yeah, I want yeah. him to to um, to keep quiet because um, I need to cash in and, and have a little win on on some of the primos I um, opted not to start with. Uh, Jack Siebel, 103 break even, Jep. He won't miss a game after a knee injury in round one. His midfield usage is crucial if targeting. So if he's got low numbers in that midfield, there's one player that I wouldn't target down the track when his salary does drop. But, you know, if that starts to climb, then there may be some interest from my point of view. Yeah, it's agreed. It's a wait and see, mate. Let's um, let's not jump the gun with Zebel. Um, he's had, you know, last year's role sticks out clearly in my mind, being locked up forwards in some weeks. And there was a period of two or three weeks where he played on the ball and, and dominated, but it's, it's too risky. His, his role's too volatile. Yeah, one of three, just waiting for a salary drop. And obviously at the same time you get that salary drop, is his role there? If it's not, well then just leave him alone. Okay, on to Christian Petrarca, break-even 39. I've been strong on Petrarca, Jep. The midfield usage has been high. He should be a trading target for me. Yeah, he's not for me, um, but I can understand why. So, um, yeah, look, let's for the for those that are going to pursue him, they, they want to hope his midfield role maintains and, and, and gets stronger week by week. And, look, he's obviously been around long enough now to to know what's required and it's time to really perform. So for me, I um, I don't think he's a consistent enough footballer, but happy to be eat my words down the season, down the track. Midfoot usage, tick. Break even, tick. Salary at a decent rate, tick. That's all for me. Okay, on to Bailey Smith. Break even, 26. That's a superb break even, Jeb. You know it, with his midfield usage. I just, yeah, I'm, I got one right. Pete, I got one right, so he's in my team, and yeah, loving him. He won't move, and he's hoping people are distracted by the trade-ins and yep. and the like. Like, so for example, if if Naismith does miss, and those that started Naismith around two, they're going to be scrambling to uh, to fix that R two spot yep. and and potentially miss out on a Bailey Smith in their forward line. So, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, if there are other things to attend to, and obviously if we get a lot of rooks not play in round two, and with only three trades, we are going to be uh, looking at other priorities, especially to get a round two team together. Okay, on to Jai Simpkin from the Kangaroos. Break even 27. Like Smith, Jep, that midfield usage should be solid this season. Yeah, look, I think he's he's a worthy of a breakout. And, and you know, he, he came pretty rate, rated pretty highly as a junior, and there was... 
potential there. So <clears throat> I'm not totally against it. I think there's better picks elsewhere. But yeah, Simkin, bit of left field, bit of a high risk, high reward. Yeah, he's definitely gone into the midfield this year. Uh, I rate Smith just ahead of Simkin there, but it could be close. You know, Simkin could be that one that goes under the radar for many this year. He is into the midfield. That break even is low, and he's still quite affordable. So three ticks right there for Simkin. Brett Bewley, break even of five, just five. This is a great break even. His salary should increase dramatically. But keep in mind the Fremantle upcoming team changes, Chip. Yeah, so we got Monday in, but I, I think he Bewley's pretty safe out on the wing, where Monday will play more inside half forward. So um, Wilson's, Bewley's, Wilson's to come back. Yeah, Wilson at half back though. Acres, so Acres on a wing. Yeah, Acres is another threat. So it's going to move around. It's very and if you remember, situation. you remember some of the ball use that Acres had in the preseason. He had some pretty high numbers. So. Yeah. Buley's a short-term fix, and we could cash in for the for two, three weeks. But um, as a non-owner, I think um, I think there's value there. Just, but it's a short-term sort of cash generation. Yeah, I agree. I think you know you could be looking at two or three weeks. However, if his role remains at round one level, I think there could be substantial reward there. Again, a break-even of just five. Okay, Jep, on to Mitch Georgiatis. Break even of just two. His round one matchup was favourable. His next run of games may be an issue. Yeah, the young key forwards, let's be honest. They don't have the greatest track record. So um, not not for me. I don't have him. Um, wasn't willing to pay up. But those there was a few that started him on the field and, and you know, did okay out of it. But um, long term, I think he's, he's a... His scoring potential is a real risk. Um, so if I did bring him in, it'll be as a bench cover. Yeah, I think uh, plenty would chase that. Obviously, low break even, but yeah, obviously some volatile scoring ahead for George Artis. Curtis Taylor break even minus two. His job security should be sound, but a tough round two matchup against the Giants awaits. Jeff. Yeah, and um, that that risk is scoring. But again, I think we're all happy that we've got a nice cash cow sitting on our field and um, we can sort of semi-rely on his on-field role and hopefully his score is um, half decent. And finally in the forward, Sam Sturt, minus 11 break even, which is quite solid. Jesse Hogan is looming, but he is still a while away from full fitness. Sturt also does have a back issue, but he probably should be okay for round two. Still, there's money to be made here, Jep. Definitely, and I'm not owner. So at one end of the spectrum, I'm glad I don't have him given this injury cloud. And but then again, if he does play, gee whiz, you know, you can't let a minus eleven break even go. So it could be a sideways trade for me. Um, you know, I've got Kavara and Davis regretfully on the bench, and I'm guessing one of them doesn't make the round two team at least. So that's one of my trade options. Yep. Your final thoughts for the last full week available with three trades in your pocket? Like I said, it's it's about not just about cashing in and, and, and chasing the dollars. It's about on-field scoring potential. So I think a balance of trades, you know, typically you remain disciplined. You trade one trade for cash. You trade another for scores. 
and and the third trade, you know, as a, f- a fix-up trade and sort of at will for everyone's um, on-field issues. But let's let's keep you know scoring potential at the forefront of our mind and not just uh, money, because I've been burnt in the past where I've chased dollars and you know a round one score from say a Brett Bewley looks great. Um, and, and, this, and the cash is potentially there, but then he pumps out a 30 in round two and, you, and it's effectively two trades <laughs> wasted. Mm. So, um, yeah, let's let's do the homework. Let's make sure you, you're, um, you're picking for both cash generation and, um, and scoring potential because ultimately we, we're all about overall rank um, here at Plus Six yep. and um, we want to maintain these high scores as best as we can. Yeah, probably not to be blinded by either a potential massive cash increase and to be quite sharp in your thinking. There are my couple of recommendations just to finish off. Jeb and I will return next week with a few tweaks prior to round two. Check out for the podcast to land late on Tuesday night for the remainder of their home and away season. Jeb, that's it for episode 35. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, guys.